This is Hammond. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. If you like what you're listening to, please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast. Yeah. Hey, a quick update on a Kickstarter campaign we were doing for this book, Queer Disbelief. It's something I've been working on for a really long time, and we've been talking about it for a while. Uh, it ended tonight as we're recording this, the Kickstarter campaign, and it was funded. Yay. So I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who supported it. And when the book is available for release elsewhere to everybody, I will let you know about it. But I'm very excited. Thank you for everyone who uh, donated anything for hey, that cause. Hey, Hammett. Yo. Where, where were you when you got the news? <laughs> let me tell you where I was <laughs> when we found out when the campaign ended. I finally got to go to the Olive Garden and use my never-ending pasta pass because someone finally agreed to go with me. Okay, I'm sorry. I have been aggressively campaigning <laughs> for us to go to Olive Garden. Yes, and actually a couple pe- listeners were like, I'll take you to Olive Garden if you want, which I thought was very nice of you all. <laughs> so I finally got to go. So right now it's Thursday the 19th. We were, <laughs> we were supposed to eat. <laughs> yeah. We were going to watch this Cubs game. That was going to be amazing. Yep. And then we were going to record. We decided we'll just skip we're the Cubs. Go game because uh, on it, the Cubs. It, it was a not good end to their season so tonight. So we stopped watching the seventh inning. It was nine to one. <laughs> I think. I think that's usually a sign. I've got my phone on sleep mode, so I can't get the uh, <laughs> the, the inevitable death knell yeah. of the Cubs lose forever. Oh. Hey, we always have last year. <laughs> yeah, that's our new phrase now. Yeah, exactly. We don't have to look for next year. It's just remember last year. Nice. So let me start off with a story that I got really excited about because I had been following this kind of vaguely in a way for several weeks now. Okay. It has to do with New Zealand, which clearly on my radar all the time. But Habits. uh, They just had an election last month. I got the reference. (laughs) I haven't seen the movies, but I got the reference. Listen, I have all the director's cut versions. That's probably why I haven't seen them. I don't have 19 hours to sit and watch all of them. Like you do anything important with your day. You blog in your underwear. That's probably true. And I have to change the babies. Oh, yeah. You have two of them now. I don't know what they do. (laughs) They're probably doing something. They'll want to watch it, I'm sure. Yeah. So New Zealand. They had an election yeah. last month. Yes. Uh, here's what you need to know if you don't actually care about New Zealand politics, no, but you want to... I obviously know everything there is to know about New Zealand <laughs> don't politics. Don't we all? And I'm probably going to say something... I you to inform our, re- yeah. our listeners. I'm sure I will get the politics of all this screwed up, but here's the gist of the story. In their parliament, you need 61 seats for a majority to be able to do whatever you want to do. Okay. Uh, the person who's the prime minister right now, or the recent prime minister, Bill English, his national party in the recent elections, got 56 seats. Oh, that's not enough. Not enough. You need another party to join with you so you can get stuff done. Okay. Well, there was another party, the Labor Party, mm-hmm. uh, headed up by this woman, Jacinda Ardern. Okay. And she's more liberal and super young. And, like, I think when I read about the election, they were like, oh, my God, it's like Bernie Sanders, but, like, a younger woman version of a liberal person. Uh It's like, oh, my God, she's getting all this energy and excitement, but she's probably still going to lose, but still exciting. So her party, with her in charge, and she just got installed as the leader of that party, Uh like, in August, because they wanted to get excited about the party. Her uh, Labor Party won 46 seats. So it's not anything to be ashamed about, but, you know, 56 for the National Party, 46 for the Labor Party. And actually, they ally with the Green Party in their country. I don't know what relationship they have with our Green Party. Do you know how many parties there are total? No. Or seats? No. But here's the deal. 
the Labour Party, headed up by Jacinda Ardern, uh-huh. has 54 seats in her coalition. Okay. The National Party that was ruling has 56 seats. No one has 61. And there's another party with nine seats called the New Zealand First Party. Uh-oh. And the question people were wondering is, who are they going to side with? Because whoever they decide to caucus with, basically, yeah. and vote with, basically That's... runs the government. Right. And apparently this is not... Uh, everyone doesn't know where they're going to go. So it's like... Really? So both parties, the Labour and the National Party, were making their pitch (laughs) for weeks now to the, like, kind of eccentric guy running this party saying... This sounds really dramatic. Here's why you should come with us. Uh Here's what we'll offer your party if you decide to join us. And you said it's New Zealand first? New Zealand first party. Party, Which to me, like... It sounds like a Donald Trump sort of thing. I know. But... I guess he was open. He, when I've heard him on TV doing interviews, uh-huh. again, I don't know those politics, but at least he seems like he's not crazy. Yeah. He, he has whatever interests his party has, but he was like, I'm listening to both sides, listening to what they're offering, and we'll make our decision. Well, as we're recording this on a Thursday night, uh-huh. last night, our time, he had a press conference where he basically announced his decision, and he said, we're going with the Labor Party. Hey! Headed up by Jacinda Ardern. All right. Which means, for the third time, they're going to have a woman prime minister. I think she's officially now prime minister. But she's Wait, the third she's prime woman. prime minister? Prime minister of the country now. Yeah. She's 37, by the way. Is it super evident I don't understand how New, uh, New Zealand politics works? Uh, Hobbits. So Hobbits. She's 37? Yeah. She's younger than my husband. And she's only been in power, like she's only been the head of this party for a couple of months. Oh so my God. there is a reasonable question of, can you actually get stuff done? Because uh-huh. you haven't done politics as long. She has a history doing politics, but like not leading it. Yeah. So, okay, open question, but kind of exciting too. Here's the other thing about her, which is why I bring her up for, uh, uh, for us talking about it. She is. She grew up in a Mormon in the Mormon religion. Oh. She left it in her twenties, oh. and she now considers herself an agnostic. Hey, yeah, and so that's exciting. Yeah, she actually did an interview earlier. Uh, I don't. I think it was earlier this year where she talked about how she's not religious, and she basically said the biggest issue for her is she was living in an apartment with three gay friends, <laughs> and she was still going to the Mormon church at the time. And quote, you know, I just remember thinking, this is really inconsistent. I'm either doing a disservice to the church or my friends, because how could I subscribe to a religion that just didn't account for them? Is LDS big in New Zealand? I don't know that it's big, but it's there. Got a presence. They've got a presence. And now she says, I can't see myself being a member of an organized religion again. Oh. She says, I'm agnostic. And quote, I just think people should be free to have their personal beliefs and not be persecuted for it, whether they be atheist or staunch church members. That's the most reasonable thing I've ever heard. Exactly my thought, too. I have no idea if her politics necessarily are all good or all bad or whatever. But at least on this issue, it's like, wow, a reasonable, yeah. non-theistic person who's heading up this country, and she's young, and she's female, which is just cool, because you don't see that very often. So more power to I, I hope she does well. That's and super exciting. It sounds like, I, I remember reading an article about her where they were just like talking about, quote, Jacinda mania, because <laughs> that's the excitement she was generating. Right. Um, she, the most adorable thing I read about it was she has like the biggest social media presence for sure. anyone in running for this type of office. And it was like 80,000 followers, <laughs> <laughs> which, 
which is not bad, no. but it's like... How many followers do you have? Oh, I don't think I have that much. Not it's she has more, but Donald Trump has like whatever fifteen million. Right. Obama has some fifty million, whatever yeah. it is. It's like oh, good for you. That's, <laughs> Pat on the back. That's but great. good for them. Yeah, Yay. that's great. Totally switching gears for oh, a good. second. Here's the next story that I really wanted to talk about, which is that if you talk about Joel Osteen, who we've talked about on this mm-hmm. podcast, the head of Lakewood Church in Houston. One of the things that he gets criticized for and the reason people love him is that he's so optimistic and he only just wants you to live your best life. He doesn't even really use the Bible, even though he quotes it in his sermons. Wait, does he get criticized for that? Oh, by Christians all the time. Really? Because they're like, you're just like Bible light. You don't know stuff about theology. You don't really talk about theological huh. issues. You just say, here's why you should be optimistic and live a happy life. God, I God do. wants you to be happy, but he doesn't actually talk. He never talks about hell. He never sure. talks about the fire and brimstone stuff. He also tries really hard in interviews to stay away from anything controversial. Man, that man is branding the shit out of himself. Oh, like, yeah. He's I mean, so good at that. He's very good at also, it. Also, I do kind it's of... It's appealing to everybody, I right? I love, like, Christian infighting. <laughs> like, I think it's really fun. It's funny because he gets... There's a reason to criticize, like, the far extremist, mm-hmm. like, Westboro Baptist. They take our religion and use it in a perverted, horrible way. Right. Yes, you can criticize them for that. Christians Joel, will you criticize make that. people too happy. We hate it. <laughs> That's exactly it. Nobody's you are crying. so broad. You try to create such a broad tent that pretty much anything goes. And that's also not okay for a lot we of Christians. Have rules. Yes. So here's the question. Yep. Does his church welcome gay members if they're in a committed same-sex relationship? Is the answer no. I don't know the answer to that. Really? And in interviews, they'll be like, so what do you think about gay marriage? And he's like, he will hedge, he'll waffle. Yeah. And eventually it'll be like, well, I think it's a sin, but all of us are sinners. I mean, whatever, he'll give that sort of answer. But here's the question. Does your church allow people in a committed same-sex relationship to be official members of the church. Sure, they can come there. Right. So Sure, you're going to welcome them and make them feel at home. You're not going to, like, right. uh, call them out or be mean to them on stage. But that's a question. Are you a welcome member? Same question for Rick Warren Saddleback Church in California. Uh-huh. I don't... They, if you go to their website and you wanted to know their stance on homosexuality and other LGBTQ-related issues, it is not readily apparent what their beliefs are. They don't broadcast them. I wonder why. Like, who are they... I don't think protecting is the right word, but who are they, like, sliding away from? Do they want to be nailed... They don't want to be nailed down as being anti-gay? Or do they not want to open the door to gay couples who think they'll be well... I don't know. Okay, you Yeah, well, that's the question, right? Why aren't you forthcoming about this? Because... It's not like this is a new issue. <laughs> You've had plenty of decades to figure this one out. Uh-huh. So how come you don't just say on your website, here's where we stand on this issue? Because, and it's not because you don't have a position. You do. Right. Just tell us what it is. And so Osteen and I think won't My complain. hunch, my yeah. hunch for a lot of these churches is that the reason they don't say it is because for casual members who might consider becoming members of their church, they want you in the door but they don't want to hit you with something that unpopular right away. They want you to say, okay, we're going to go through the steps. Sorry, of the, yeah. which one is unpopular? Pro-gay or anti-gay? Anti-gay. 
because they know is that unpopular yeah. in that sect. Um, if you don't, if you don't if already you... belong to those types of churches, uh-huh. and you're just a casual, I'm a Christian. I want everyone to, I, I want to treat everyone well, sort of thing. Yeah. But you want to be part of one of these conservative mega churches or something. Sure. You're gonna have to subscribe to their beliefs. It's like going to a a Christian evangelical college. You can go there, yeah. but part of the agreement that you sign off to mm-hmm. is that you agree that homosexual acts and same-sex relationships are, are forbidden. Right. Well, and I guess I'm just wondering, I'm just wondering aloud how much of a segment of the population is a not currently attending a mega church but B wants to and C being anti-gay would be a deal breaker for them. I like, think it's probably, I don't it, know the is percentage. Is it bigger than I think? I mean, yeah, I think it's is, bigger than you think. Yeah. But I don't know what the number is. But there's a lot of people out there because so many of these churches are so dedicated yeah. and put a lot of resources in to reaching those people exactly. If you've ever gotten a flyer in the mail, come to our church for this the sermon. The love sending me flyers oh, around yeah. here. Yeah, the evangelical churches around here, I get them mm. a lot. They want to reach out to people who are not members. Yeah. And they want to recruit from other churches. They don't care. That's yeah. fine. I guess I, I guess just my thought is like if if you are the kind of person that finds Angel Osteen ap- appealing, and I'm not saying that they are necessarily homophobic or anti-gay or whatever, I guess my thing is like, would that be a deal breaker for them? I think some people go in thinking, oh, I want to join a church that makes me feel good and everyone says good things about this, this like church. It's like basically Unitarian, but... Yeah, it sounds like Jesus. it. Plus Jesus. And so they're like, all right, I'm willing to commit myself to Jesus. Yeah. Oh, but here's the list of stuff I have to sign off on. And this happens to be one of them. And then they're like, oh, I didn't know I had to sign off on that. Uh-huh. Now I'm hesitant it's a lot easier for the churches, from their perspective, if we already have you in the door. And then just like... And now spring this one on you. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think that's why they don't say it out loud. And here's the problem with that. Again, they already know where they stand on this. The churches do. Sure. You, as Christians we, who say... we, as outsiders, can't say, this is what you believe. Right. Because what am I going to point to? Right. They're evangelical churches. There is no Catholic church doctrine from the Vatican that says this is what we all believe if we are Catholics and you have to subscribe to it. No, evangelicals are pretty, uh, they're a loose bunch. Mm -hmm. You know, one church is going to be totally different from another and they may hold. Crazy (laughs) maverick evangelicals. Yeah, right. Some, I mean, here's the thing though. Some evangelicals are very much that, uh, they very much believe that the clobber verses in the Bible that people use against gay people. I'm sorry. Clobber verses. Have they we beat you this? over the head of, with the Bible and say, look, Leviticus says this, you can't be gay or I in a relationship. I feel like we've talked about that before, but God, that's a delightful phrase. I but know. go ahead. Yeah. That's a, that's a phrase people use. But there are some evangelical churches and believers who very much think you can rationalize away all the passages in the Bible mm-hmm. that some people use to say, you can't be gay, you can't be in a gay relationship. So... It's not clear where every church stands on the matter. Right. Just because they say they're evangelical doesn't mean they're conservative, doesn't mean they're anti-gay. So who knows? So <laughs> a lot of progressive Christians okay. don't like that these churches, in a lot, of t- a lot of times, get a lot of good credit for being so inclusive and welcoming, but, but they're not the really background. that way. Yeah. So how do they get this impression of being inclusive? Because when you watch Joel Osteen on TV, you think, wow, that guy seems so nice 
He's so optimistic. He says if God I, loves me. Yeah. If I went, if I lived in Houston, I would want to be a member of that church. I see. And that happens to a lot of churches across the country. You know, you move to an area, maybe you sit in on a sermon mm. and you're like, oh, I, I've been to some of these churches. I've heard these pastors. They're really good, sure. powerful speakers. It's like, yeah, I, I would consider joining if I happen to believe some of this stuff. But then you realize what you're actually signing yeah, off there's on. there's more to it. There's more to it. So these progressive churches, I'm uh, sorry, these progressive Christians, several of them, joined together to create a new website that just launched this week. Okay. It is called Church Clarity. And all it is, it's kind of like you go to the site and they have a list. This is all crowdsourced information. Oh, I feel, did you post something about this I today? Did. Is it like infographics? Yeah, essentially. I by it. Sorry. Saying, <laughs> here's a bunch of churches that yes. people have submitted, and here's where they stand. And this is, you said it's crowdsourced. Yes. So you could say, look, here's so are they this church. This or can, yes, can because, you and I be like, hey, hey, guys. Well, they say, look, I, either they could say, I want to know about this church, so please, you do the homework. Uh-huh. Or they can say, look, here is this church that is pretty well known, and here's the site Uh, Here's the part of their website where they explain exactly where they stand. The goal, from their perspective, is not to shame the anti-gay ones. Just make it clear. It's just to make it clear. So they say on their church, this is a very, this church is clearly not affirming of your same-sex relationship. Okay. Or this church is very clearly affirming of it. Cool. We just want that out there. It's very clear where they stand on this matter. But if you look at their site. And if you're a church, like, if that's what you believe, you should Stand behind it, right? Shouldn't Christians be all about honesty and openness? Isn't that something? (laughs) So Saddleback Church, which is Rick Warren's church, has this big red box. He's the purpose-driven life guy. He's the purpose-driven life guy. Has a big red box that says undisclosed because they do not tell you on the website for Saddleback what they believe on this matter. Okay. And the hope is not to shame your stance one way or the other, but hopefully there is pressure then on these red boxed churches. Like, tell me where you stand. Yeah. Just let me know. Yeah. Hopefully there is some clarification on these churches because you, you don't, if you are Uh anti-gay, you should not get credit because you're ambiguous about where you stand on it. And if you're pro-gay, I mean, atheists shouldn't be criticizing you because you're an evangelical church. If you are affirming. Right. Because not all of them are the same. So like, don't lump the good ones in with everybody else. So. Just the facts. All man. about honesty. That's all it reference. is. Yeah. They Did don't you want... get that? I missed it. Just the facts, ma'am. It is dragnet. Totally lost on me. Oh my god. Sorry. <laughs> Guys, Heaven's never seen Space Jam, so I am hereby saying if we ever hit our goal for Star Wars. <laughs> Goal number two is Defo Space Jam because Hemet and I are around the same age and it was a really defining <laughs> I, I did so My many. life was not defined by Michael Jordan <laughs> and Space Jam. And he only knows that because I explained to him the plot of Space Jam at dinner tonight. That is true. It has a, to do with basketball, y'all. I made a really good Monstars joke. Um, there's people who think that's funny. Um, <laughs> I did a lot of dances to the Welcome to the Space Jam song in high school. Welcome to the Space Jam. Do you remember that song? It's your chance, do your dance at the Space Jam. I have no idea what the hell Are you're you talking kidding? about. Are you kidding? You went to high school, right? It was at... Okay, <laughs> God, move on. I hate this. I think that's racist. I'm not sure why. Okay, you... <laughs> <laughs> Every time but I I've never you, heard. you, you cannot accuse me of being racist. <laughs> I've never that's heard not that song. this is going to work. <laughs> never heard that song before. There, there's... Okay, I'm going to play it to you after Okay, after sounds this. good. Uh, do you want to talk about the Creation Museum and Ark Encounter? Yeah, you do. That's why people pay to listen to this podcast. They pay, right? I do. 
like I, 12 of them knew. Um, I did he- see or hear that there was an ad for one of them during a Cubs game, question mark? Uh, I don't know if it was during the Cubs game, but they did, Ken Ham and Answers in Genesis, they released ads for both the Creation Museum and Ark Encounter over the past week. And these are ads that will play, yeah, on TV. Maybe usually I've seen them on like cable news, if anything. Yeah. But I was talking to some of my new dog park friends because that's <laughs> where I am in my life. And somebody mentioned that it was like the most expensive ads. But I'll, I'll do your research. Really? You talk. Yeah. I don't know what the cost of them are. And this is honestly like 14th hand because it's literally okay. my new friends at the dog park I told have no me idea. this. They are, I will say, they are professionally made. They look like, you know, real commercials, uh-huh. which makes sense because the Creation Museum is designed to look like a real museum, even though it's not. But I'll tell you, I'll give you an example of the Creation Museum's ad. Like, how do they get, it's all directed at kids, really. Uh How do you get kids to come? And they have, like, two girls chatting. I wonder why crickets sing. I wonder how insect wings work. I wonder what makes fireflies glow. Second girl. Want to find out? And you see montage of them going to the Creation Museum. And like, oh, everything here is amazing. That's their look. And that's the music playing in the background. And then it ends with one of the girls saying, like, another question. Like, I wonder what boy ladybugs are called. Spoiler, ladybugs as well. But, okay, cool. All these kids have questions. You go to the Creation Museum, this ad suggests, and then you will learn stuff. But here's the thing. That you'll learn God, God, (laughs) God touched firefly butts. Yeah, one, there's there's no mention of God in this ad, which seems like a little bit of a misleading ad. Yeah, you don't fucking say how Of course it's misleading. (laughs) And Although I will say, yes, it's misleading, but woe to the family that packs their bag and goes to the Answers in Genesis, like, (laughs) creation museum, doing no more research, and then showing up saw the commercial, want to go there. It's like, what the hell is this? Show up in Kentucky, and they're like, what the... No, that's... I'm going to hell? (laughs) Worst family vacation ever. (laughs) You know what? That's going to be the next um, vacation sequel. (laughs) You've seen the movie Vacation, right? National Lampoon's Vacation. Okay, audience, run with me on this. <laughs> like, imagine instead of going to Wally World, they're driving across the country to go. Are you writing something down because you're going to cut this out? This no, is gold. No, I'm just drawing a picture of you. Fuck off. Yes. Okay, no. Somebody will th- tweet at me if you think this is funny and tell him it, fuck you. Okay, so instead, <laughs> <laughs> instead of going to Wally World, I can't distinguish dri- those fuck <laughs> yous dri- from all the ones I normally get. <laughs> they drive across the country, and instead of it's the end of it, Wally World, and it's closed, spoilers on vacation. They show up and it's the Creation Museum and they have to deal with the consequences. If you'd seen that movie, it's funny. That's when my theme for the night is if you understood what I was talking about, <laughs> you would laugh at me more. <sighs> I don't know what you're talking about. So, yes, I do You've never think. Seen vacation? No. I do think it's kind of entertaining this idea that people would actually go to the Creation Museum having no clue what it oh is. Oh, my God. Which is kind of the point of the ad. That, I'm going to write a short But here's story the thing about, that. about the thing. Here's the thing about the Creation Museum. The thing about meant. the thing. Yeah. It doesn't actually stoke your curiosity. It just, the whole point of this commercial is to say, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. And then they show the montage and then the kids go like, I wonder about this other stuff. Because like, that's what the museum, the commercial says is designed to do. You go there, you'll learn stuff, and now you'll have even more questions. But that's not what the Creation Museum does. They just say, God did it. Here's the passage in the Bible that says God did it. Now shut up with your questions yeah, already. Yeah, but if they based an entire museum out of creationism, you can't expect them to be honest in their commercials. That is fair. 
But it's like you're using this kid saying, I have all these things I want to know. No, if you want answers, go to a real museum where you will actually learn the process and not just get a Bible verse. You know, God did it I isn't... Mean, you, it, the real Creation Museum ad would have girls saying, the first girl saying, I wonder why crickets sing. God did it. I wonder how insect swings work. God made it happen. I wonder what makes fireflies are you reading blow. reading your own jokes that you were I'm earlier? really not. I'm, this is ad-libbing, <laughs> which is why you know it's so funny. I wonder what boy ladybugs are called. God ladybugs. says ladybugs. Yeah. Like, that's what it should be, but it's not. Um, so that was the Creation Museum ad. Yeah. That came out a week ago. Then they released three commercials for Ark Encounter around the same time. Yeah, the zipline also exists. And this one is virtually the same thing, except all three of the ads uh, are basically, it's like one guy says, I have to build something in the tool tool shed or something. He's making something. It's like, wow, this is hard to build. Cut to the other person saying, you know what's really hard? (laughs) Making a giant Ark. Commercial number two, girls, girls in a horse stable cleaning okay. up after a horse saying, wow, this horse is hard to take care of. Cut to the other person. You know what's really hard? Taking care of like thousands of animals at once. Somehow this means let's go to Ark Encounter where you get to see none of these things actually. They happen. literally showed two gals shoveling shit and they're like, yeah. you want to hear more about this? Yes. And, of course, one of them's, like, a little girl and, like, her mother or something. And then they have another commercial, which is, like, four little girls at a tea party asking each other questions. And somehow this leads to them wanting you to go to Ark Encounter 2. Wait, the tagline, no, I want to hear more about that one. Uh, I would play it for you if I could figure out how to make the sound work. But we'll have a link. You could watch the videos for yourself. But the tagline for all of these ads uh-huh. at the very end, go ahead, think bigger. Because no. that's all the Ark Encounter has going for it. It's... We're friggin' huge. Come look at the giant ball of twine in Kentucky. It's not really, but it's like, yeah, it's a boat, but it's a big boat. So come look at it. It's not, the tagline is not, you'll learn stuff. Sure. It's not, this is what really happened. It's just, we're big. That's their selling point. I'm going to say something controversial. As a. This is another Space Jam reference. It's not, I swear to God. As a professional marketing professional. Yes. I did say that. Um, I don't hate those concepts that the concept the for Ark Encounter. Uh, oh, not the, thing the bigger, commercials the, themselves. Yeah. Like considering their project is garbage. Yes. Like there's only so many turds you can polish before you have something like assembling. Okay. It's, it's a fair point and I will give them credit. These are well-made ads. I don't understand. I could see why they would play on TV. I, I could see why they would think, spend money on them. I think the views they're espousing are dumb and also dangerous, but like kind of big ups to like that marketing team that came up with those. That's actually kind of cool. I will I'll give them credit for that. And horse, did you know horses poop 12 pounds a day? I did not. Now I do. I, now it's all I'm going to think about. I, I used to shovel horse shit what, like a what, professional. How, when, when? Yeah, I work, you know, I work with horses. Maybe I did. I was a cowboy for fuck's sake. The fuck? Hammond, have we met before? I taught horseback riding lessons in college, and I lived in Montana for two years and I worked on a that. ranch. And oh. guess what's on the ranch? Horses. Guess what horses do? Shit, all the time, forever. And did it, any of that make you want to go see Ark Encounter where there are even no, more I, horses? Uh, and <laughs> so much horse shit. I didn't need, didn't need any more. Uh, so, okay. Ads for Ark Encounter. 
They exist. That was maybe our dumbest segment we've ever done. You're welcome, everybody. <sighs> All right, so, somebody tweeted at us today because they're mad that we missed a week together, and <laughs> this is what we're rewarding them with. Yes, this you're welcome. Garbage. Ten pasta, minutes on horse shit. <laughs> pasta filled <laughs> <laughs> episode. All right, the pew. Oh, we're at my, wait, we're at my house. That means we're drinking wine, and it's boxed wine this week. Thank you. It's delicious. It tastes like wine. You don't know. I don't know. Uh, the Pew Research Center came out with a new survey, which is a big deal here. Check this out. For the first time, more than half of Americans believe that you do not need God in order to be moral and have good values. Really? Yeah. Last Wait. time they did it, five years ago, 49% agreed that you don't need God to be good. Uh-huh. That number is now 56%. The people who believe you do need God really? to be good... 42. But wait, isn't the percentage of people who don't believe in evolution like 60? Uh, who don't believe in evolution. Uh, there, It's about 40% who are creationists. Uh-huh. No, I lied. I think I it's close it to like 36-ish. M- For some reason, I thought it was more than half. But that's wrong. There's a lot of people who don't accept, who believe God guided evolution. Oh, that's a big percentage oh, of oh, people. Oh, oh, oh. So they smush those two together and... Give That's probably number. where you're getting the bigger number from okay. of Go people ahead. who don't just accept a godless evolution. So, but yeah, more than half of Americans believe you don't need God to be good. So here's my That's question to you, because oh. that's all the survey said. It's 56 percent. Why says... is that the answer? Do you think? I caught the reference. <laughs> Why do you think it's, so it's going up? Why do you think more because people think you don't need God to be good? Religious people are dying. I'm sure that's a part of it, but I don't know how big of a part that is. Because I don't have an answer, by the way. I have some oh, theories. I thought, I I'm genuinely like... tossing this out there because this is a question Pew can't answer because sure. they don't know the answer either. Okay. Then I do. I, I, I thought we were actually doing, I thought you had answers in front of you. I don't have I don't a family know how you feud. Would. That doesn't uh, yeah. feel like. So my thought would be that as the internet becomes more pervasive in our everyday life, that people begin to interact with more and more people whom they don't physically live near. Um, Which means new ideas, which means, oh, you don't think the way I do. Yes. And so there's, there's one that you meet people who like, you know, on the face of it, or like even just being on Facebook, people I do know now, maybe they would never know that I was an atheist ever, but if they're Facebook friends, then you sure should do now. So that's one. So just to recap, you're yes. saying everyone kind of knows somebody who doesn't believe in God, yes. whether it's online, and I would argue that's the case in real life too. Yes. Because more people are out about their atheism yeah. or they talk about it. So actually that's sort of my subcategory on that one is that atheists tend to be more comfortable saying that they're atheists or saying that they're non-believers where I feel like even God, when I started writing for the friendly atheists, I was always like uncomfortable talking to people who I couldn't gauge. Although I I should say I still really test the waters before I talk about like (laughs) this show or anything like that. I see how it is. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I'm very ashamed of it. I have a fucking Darwin tattoo. I think they'll figure it out. Um, But uh, I, I think people are more comfortable saying, oh, no, I don't, if they don't use the A word, that they don't believe in God. And and I think it's a really effective thing. Like when people know me and see what a wonderful person I am <laughs> yes. and how generous of spirit I am and how funny I am, they, <laughs> and then they find out. Why are you laughing? I'm not laughing. Oh, uh, cool. Good. I, I thought you were, <laughs> but I'm glad you weren't. 
and then they find find out I'm an atheist. They're like, wow, somebody this smart and funny and beautiful (laughs) doesn't believe in God. Did I get off the rails on that one? No, keep going. (laughs) No, but but the point stands (laughs) of like, oh, this person isn't a total fucking scumbag dick. I honestly think that's the answer to, which is that everyone, I think, it's getting to the point where you all know somebody yeah. who doesn't believe in God or isn't part of an organized religion. Mm-hmm. And you know them in person. It's not just online, I don't think. I think because yeah. more people are coming out and more celebrities are doing it. And yes. uh, politicians, t- to some degree, well. but less so. Like, when when you talk about it and people know about it more, it's like, oh, well, I can't demonize you. I know you. Yeah. I know you're not a horrible person. Right. Uh, I know it's unfair to make always to make LGBTQ parallels here. But I think that worked for that movement as well. Everyone knows someone who is LGBTQ, which makes it a lot harder to say they don't deserve the same rights as Mm -hmm. I do. And at least in that aspect, I think it's a fair parallel. When you know someone who's an atheist, eh, it's like, I know they're good. I may not not agree on their eternal life, (laughs) but I think in this one, yeah, you can be good and moral and and have your own set of ethics. Like good in big quotation marks, because what the fuck does good mean, right? right? Like, so to me, and probably you, good is like, you're not a dick to waiters. Yeah, right. And like, you like dogs, I yes. think are the I two I don't main... kick them when I see them, so I pass yeah. that Thank test. Thank you, by the you're way. Welcome. Daddy really appreciates that. <laughs> um, you, but you know, like, we see good as like everyday. Sure. And, and Pew didn't whereas define think, it. They just uh, right. said whatever you want to define but it. But whereas as. I think somebody who's very religious, good has kind of a different set of connotations and very specific, whether that means tithing or whether that means. Um, praying or or just accepting Jesus yeah. in your heart as your church saver, I think good is a broad, broad term. More specifically, when Pew dug into the results here, every single religious demographic, okay. so white evangelicals, black Protestants, in every demographic, the number moved upward oh. for how many people think you can be good, moral, ethical, without oh, God. encouraging. The only one exception was... Um, Hispanic Catholics, but it was by like one percentage in the other direction. So it's like statistically insignificant. The funniest part about that is when they asked religiously unaffiliated people, the nuns, Mm -hmm. do you think you could be good without God or people can be good without God? Only 85% said yes. (laughs) There are people who are not religious who when asked, can atheists, can can non-religious people like yourself be good without God? They're like, "Mm, no. 15% are like trolls, right? Uh, there's always those people. Can 15% of a population just be straight up <laughs> fucking trolls? They're every single survey, there's always those people. Yeah, but... The self-hating atheists, Oh, my God, that's hysterical. Yeah. So that's good news, though. More people are beginning to think you could be good, right. which, when we talk about how do you even elect politicians who are non-religious... This is the start. This is how it happens, yeah, because it's like, oh, it's not as big of a deal anymore. And I, they didn't break it down by age... I suspect if they did, you would find that like 18 to 29-year-olds are overwhelmingly fine right. and they don't have a problem with it at all. While we're talking about surveys, let me bring up another one that was also that caught my eye for a different reason. Okay. We've talked before about the Johnson Amendment, yes. which is the thing that says if you are a pastor of a church, you cannot tell your congregation who to vote for. If your church is... Uh, tax exempt. Yeah, uh, which all churches are tax exempt, but if you tell them how to vote, you may lose your tax exemption. That's what the Johnson Amendment says. In theory. And in theory. 
Uh, no, I think one church in the past decade has lost its tax exemption, and that was like so egregiously a violation <laughs> that like you can't not do something. But yeah. since then, there have been churches that are like, I'm telling my congregation who to vote for. Hey, you videotape me doing this and send it to the IRS, and they still don't get caught or anything. It's just so it's a weird thing. Trump <sighs> wants to eradicate it. He couldn't do it. With the, he tried to do it with an executive order, but he it didn't do anything. But they're trying to... Congress is currently getting rid of the Johnson Amendment through the budget bill that they're currently trying to pass. So it could still be repealed. We can have a different discussion about how effective or what it'll change. I don't know. Whether it's net positive or net negative, right? Right. Because they're not doing any... The IRS isn't doing anything anyway. Well, and also there's the implications of, like, if you... There's just implicate of like if you all of a sudden have these rights, like what does that mean? For yeah, how many churches would actually participate and start endorsing candidates I, I if they I were w- given permission to? And I don't know that a lot would suddenly change what you, they're doing. You don't think? No, because I think a lot of them are very adamant of. Well, this is what I want to get to. I don't think a lot of them want to get involved in politics. Yeah, because there's bad a big for push the church back from the churches, right? Saying like, no, leave it in place. Yeah, it's kind of like sports. It's kind of like the NFL and like the kneeling stuff. Part of the reason the NFL hates the Kaepernick controversy is because they're supposed to be the escape from yeah. social issues and politics, but now they're kind of intertwined because Trump is talking about it and it's a social issue and it deals with racism. It's like that's the last thing the NFL wants to do, which is get involved in those debates. Sports is supposed to be the let's talk about something else yeah. that we can all agree on sort of thing. So whatever. But the point is, I don't think a lot of churches want to get involved with candidates and elections. They might say we disagree on marriage equality, but it's a different issue when and you say, hey, if you're part of our church, you should all vote for this person. So anyway, the Alliance Defending Freedom, it's a right wing legal group. This week, they sent a letter to Congress members, quote, on behalf of, quote, more than 4,000 religious leaders. Okay urging Congress to repeal the Johnson Amendment, which you would expect. They want it gone. But what they said is, we took a survey, and according to our survey of these 4,000 religious leaders, 91% of pastors agree that they should have the right to speak freely from the pulpit without fears of being penalized by the government. They also said 73% of pastors agreed that Congress should remove the IRS's power to penalize a church because of the contents of their sermons. So it sounds like, wow, 4,000 church leaders, they all seem to want this, or a big number of them, want this thing to be repealed, right? I feel like there's going to be a but. Yeah, here's the but. The but is that if you look at that poll, Uh which sounds kind of convincing, and it was done fairly, like, these are not just 4,000 of their friends that they asked. It was done like any poll should be done. But look at the question. That 91% of people agree pastors should have the right to speak freely from the pulpit without fearing being penalized by the government. Well, that doesn't have anything to do with politics specifically. Right. That's it's like, just... yeah, of course, I don't want them to get yeah, punished for what they can get from saying, the pulpit. They're just saying, hey, we like the First Amendment. <laughs> yeah, it's like... No one's saying otherwise. I don't want to instill fear. They should They should be able to speak without fear. But saying they should be able to speak freely is such a broad thing. Sure. No one is going after these churches for pretty much everything well, they say. Time and time again, we see these people who have all the privileges are the ones who are, who fucking get off on, like, playing the victim. Yeah, and this question just 
bleeds into that uh, victim mentality, which is say, do you want the government to like scare you? <laughs> do you do you want the right to speak freely without fear? Of course, they're gonna say yes. Why wouldn't they? Yeah, no, it's a fucking I don't want garbage that. question. That's not what's at debate here. That's not what people are debating. That other question: seventy-three percent agree Congress should remove the IRS's power to penalize a church because of the contents of a pastor's sermon. The IRS isn't punishing anybody for the contents of a sermon. You could say whatever you want about gay marriage. You could be racist if you want in church. The IRS is not going to come after you. This is specifically about endorsing a candidate, which is not what they asked. So here's the thing. These are two misleading questions Mm -hmm. designed to get people to agree with them. so manipulative. And this is what they're using. But it turns out, uh, Americans United for Separation of Church and State, uh, they pointed to a different poll. This one was according to a survey of like a thousand pastors, all of whom actually signed their names onto this letter, unlike the 4,000 leaders who were all anonymous. But they pointed, Americans United, the Church State Separation Group, said, you know what, there's another survey we talked about, or we, I forgot if they conducted it, but we did this like months ago. You know what their thing said when it came to specifically about the Johnson Amendment? Is it the opposite? It's totally the opposite. They said 79% disagreed with saying pastors should be allowed to endorse a candidate in church, which is the only issue at stake here. Another poll, different from theirs, said that 90% of evangelical pastors felt the same way. They should not be allowed to endorse candidates in church. Many other polls that AU pointed to points in the same direction to say even religious people don't want to become, you know, cogs in the political well, machine. they don't want to go on Sunday to see, like, another, especially, God, like, the election cycle. We saw that. <laughs> it was long enough. It was long enough when I'm sure the last thing these people want is to, like, go to church and be like, Here's more, who you should vote for. politics. Yeah. Also, I've been, like, really trying hard to fit in my Marissa Tomei impression from my cousin Vinny of, it's a bullshit question, and I knew you wouldn't get it, and no. I just really wanted to litter this But it's episode. appropriate here. It is. The ADF no questions. No one can answer it. It's a bullshit question. You, Nicely done. Somebody add that on the list of movies uh, Hammett needs to say. Done. Someone's, I'm sure, keeping a list. So, yeah. ADF. It's a right-wing say group, which idea. I know. But I just, I love it so much. Go totally ahead. over my head. They're totally misleading people. And now they're trying to convince yeah, no, Congress to garbage. do this because and of it. I, I don't... I'm very curious regarding... So I think always, always, always the most important and interesting question is how much do the people at the top know or understand? The top being... The top being the people who are putting together these surveys or yeah. who are running churches. Do they know how misleading they're being? Did they, so is this incompetence? So we're gonna we're gonna write this question thinking like we know what we're trying to get across, right. and w- so mm-hmm. we think this is really gonna showcase our opinion. Or are they like nefariously sitting around like how can we fucking turn this this very <laughs> clear? How do we get this result that we exactly, want? Exactly, exactly. I you know what's interesting? Alliance defending freedom. Yes, they're a right wing group, but at least on the surface, they're like you know we're principled. We have these beliefs we have, uh-huh. but we're acting on those. Like they don't seem like they're purposely trying to mislead people. And the group they commissioned to do the survey, LifeWay Research, yeah, they focus on Christian issues, Mm -hmm. but it's a legitimate polling company as far as I know. And the thing is, when you commission a poll like that, you discuss 
these are the questions we want answered. And don't they, they do run like the preliminary? Questions. Yeah. I don't know how, if they did preliminary, but like they run the question designs by everybody. Honestly, everything I know, I know from West Wing. <laughs> so like, I think they do. People like people on both sides signed off on this and they yeah. said, this is the question we want to ask. Not that these are the results we want, but these are the questions we want to ask. Everyone knew what the questions were. No one apparently seemed to raise a red flag and say, these are bad questions to get to the heart of the issue. Because that's not what they're interested because in. The, they're yeah. not interested in truth. They're interested in getting the answer they're yep. looking for. Yep. Let's move on to something different. <laughs> okay. All right. The Boy Scouts. Oh. This week said. Yeah, this is a big week We're going to allow girls. But still not atheists. <laughs> but still not atheists. They said specifically the Boy Scouts had a vote. And they said girls can join the organization as Cub Scouts and be eligible to earn Eagle Scout, which is their highest rank. Now, girls were admitted into other parts of the Boy Scouts in the past, but not like the core Cub Scout stuff that they do. That's going to change. And part of that is, I think, because they're just losing members left and right, so they need to get people interested. Uh, So, fine. Good. That's an awesome thing. The more inclusive they are... And here's the thing. I know even atheists, some atheists commented and said things like, why? Just th- there's the Girl Scouts. They could do that. Why not have this just be a boys only type of place? And the argument here is simply the things the Boy Scouts are trying to teach leadership skills, survival skills, um, how to help each other be a good person. Mm. Those are not gender specific. Right. It doesn't have to be. So this shouldn't have to be segregated. I mean, look, the Boy Scouts can make up their own rules, mm. but this doesn't, I mean, man, how great is your life when you get to complain about this it just doesn't bother me if boys want to join the girl scouts i don't care it doesn't matter but the point is they've now the boy scouts have now said in the past few years we will allow gay members they didn't say that before they then said we'll allow they then said we will allow gay openly gay leadership they also at some point said we will allow transgender boys and we won't ha- we won't kick you out for being transgender. But still no atheists. Yeah, After- and now they're saying we'll welcome girls, and still they're like, but we're drawing the line. If you're a straight cis gender boy, but you openly don't believe in God, you're still get kicked out. out. Yeah, which again, it's like you get to set your own rules, uh-huh. but that's such a weird thing to say that like. It doesn't. They don't even care what religion you are. This is not a Christian group. Yeah, because you could be. You could Muslim, be Hindu, could be Buddhist. Hindu, yeah, yeah uh, Muslim. It doesn't matter. But if you're an atheist, Although somehow it doesn't matter. I I would be curious to see how that looks on the ground. <laughs> but yeah, it's just a strange thing that this is the one group still banned by the Boy Scouts. All right. And it's like, really, you're opening your doors to girls, but not atheist boys. That I, seems so strange. I mean, our side has cookies, so. Yeah. So we win, ultimately. And again, if you're interested in why they're not admitting atheists, I mean, their scout law says members must be, quote, reverent. And the scout oath includes the line, I will do my best to do my duty to God. Which I think is interesting because you see... Uh, you see language like that sort of watered down in a lot of instances. So, like, I would say AA is a good example of it. I was just going to mention, um, Alcoholics Anonymous does the same thing. Do we don't care thing. what you believe, but you got to believe in something. But but even so, like, I've had, I've had uh, friends who were in it who were non-believers, and they were very 
real loose with their idea of like quote higher power. Like, oh yeah, it could be anything. It could be you literally to be. any. And so it's not even like whatever god you want. It could be like the concept of the universe or like right. Mother Gaia or whatever. Like the Bernie Sanders God. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's exactly. something out there. It's something that's not physically in front of me right now. So, and I guess that's what I'm so surprised by. Like, can't they just sort of like, un, like, untighten, loosen would be yeah. a word for it. Their Membership grip on, or their grip on like, what God, maybe make God lowercase. Yeah. Again, this isn't a legal thing. Maybe it's pan. <gasps> Oh, they have a right to commit to pan. (laughs) They have a right to set their own rules, except they shouldn't be allowed in public schools if they're going to discriminate. But it's such a weird thing for them to get hung up on. And it is, I think. And I think the Boy Scouts is such a really good example of like. So this sort of, oh, how come you're banning us just because we have this one thing? And we're like. Just don't ban atheists. Like it, <laughs> I cannot imagine like what day to day changes would ever take place yeah. if they're like, <laughs> what's going to happen if there's an athe- yeah. open atheist in your troop? What do you think is going to happen because, on a camping trip? Because you guys are the one who are specifically saying like, if you believe in this, you cannot be a part of our group. So like, you guys are the ones being exclusionary, right. and public schools are just like, well, you can't do that. It it almost to me because I feel like Boy Scouts often kind of paint themselves in the victim as a victim as so many people do of like you're not letting us pass out bibles and you know how how people <laughs> right. are, are are tend to be and to me that always reminds me of like the nazis versus people who punch nazis <laughs> have you heard this <laughs> the like, debate over well it's like oh whether we should punch nazis whether we should punch nazis and people are like well if you punch a nazi you're no better than the nazi it's like well, the Nazi wants an entire race of people to be discriminated against, <laughs> and I think he deserves a punch in the face. And, like, while I personally don't condone violence <laughs> in general, th- if I punch a Nazi in the face, I still just want his face to be busted, and he wants all of the Jews to be dead. Like, I have no idea what this has to do with Boy Scouts. I forgot where you were going with this. Oh, I'm going somewhere. <laughs> oh, it's because this... <laughs> that's honestly... How did we descend into Godwin's Law? <laughs> No, what I'm saying is uh, when when these kind of groups cry discrimination because, oh, we can't be in the public school because we say atheists can't be in, but you're discriminating against us and we're You're intolerant of my intolerance. That's exactly right. <laughs> and also, I just want to talk about punching Nazis. Very good. Oh, the, the Cubs officially lost. Uh, Do you want me to tell you the score? Is it worse than nine to one? I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. I, I just got a push <laughs> alert that says the Cubs got blown out, which yeah, well, they were blown out the whole time. Yes. I'm pulling it up, but All right. continue. And while while we're on this subject, Oof. No, Oof, it heaven. got worse? Yeah, it did. How much worse? 11 to 1. Yes. But Brian finally got a home run. Go, Chris Bryant. Glad your bat came alive for one <laughs> second in the playoff. <laughs> oh, this was such a rough playoff <sighs> season. It's just been... The Dodgers, like, ninth guy on the field gets, like, a grand slam, and the Cubs' number one MVP guy, like... Like I got a single I in game two, baseball, and I have so much fun when the Cubs are doing well. But this entire playoff season has just been unfun because even <laughs> if we did win, it was sloppy garbage wins, and so it was just like not a fun experience. So it's just like me. even when they won, it was like, oh my god, I have a, I'm about to have a heart attack right. during the so tenth inning. So it's just been like two and a half weeks of me and Mikey staying up too late, sitting in the basement, like biting our nails and me <laughs> chugging wine, and like. 
cool. We're going to go to bed now. That was the worst baseball I've ever seen. Great. Yes, thank you, Thank Cubs. you for depressing I do, us. <laughs> I do love the Cubs. And I'll be Minus a Cubs one fan. crazy game five. <laughs> that was all I remember. That was so bananas. Yeah. I have a Cubs fan until I die, but... Fuck, this is a deeply unfun playoff <laughs> season for me. Continue, Henry. Yes. Let's talk about it. There is a Christian alternative to the Boy Scouts oh. that was created. <laughs> I was about to say Nazis somewhere, but I'm like, all right, we already covered that angle. Yeah, no. We the, know there's a Christian alternative to the Boy Scouts called Trail Life USA that was formed when the Boy Scouts started admitting openly gay members. And they're like, can't have that. Got to form a Christian alternative and to trail this. Trail Life? Trail Life. Which actually beat out like hundreds of other entries for their oh. name. But anyway, they s- Trail Life US. Trail Life USA. Tul- oh, it's not. I thought it was Tulsa. It's not even that. Nope. Tulsa. Yeah. <laughs> Trail Life. And they're like, so after the Boy Scouts announced girls can be members, Trail Life USA came out with a press they're release. Like, Fuck no, you need balls to be in our group. <laughs> yeah, they basically are like, nope, we're still excluding everybody. So <laughs> openly gay? No, no, not unless you want to convert. Transgender boys? <laughs> Yeah, transgender boys, not at all. Their membership requirements actually say you must be a biologically male child. Okay, so when I just said you need balls and I was joking, they were super literal about that. Uh, Girls, not a chance. Non-Christians, they're actually welcome (gasps) as long as they're cool with all the Christian proselytizing that's coming their way. Actually, that's not an unreasonable (laughs) stance. Again, all of this is perfectly legal. I just... It's kind of funny that, like, the second the Boy Scouts kind of opens the door a little <laughs> they bit. They double down. They like double down on slamming it in everyone's face. Here's the, uh, the statement that came from their CEO. He yeah. said, um, I don't know if he said this this week or he said this after the transgender uh, inclusion from the Boy Scouts. Okay. But he said, as gender, oh, he said it after the girls were admitted. Oh. As gender blurring only increases, it is more important than ever that someone provides a safe environment where boys can be boys and where their natural talents and tendencies can be affirmed, encouraged, and developed by men who can offer a positive role model. Safe, natural, positive. That's what they're supporting. But I guess when you allow transgender kids and girls into your group, you're no longer safe, nothing natural. You're not a positive anything. (sighs) That's the way they're going about this. Yeah. It's just a nasty group of people there. It really, it's so, it's so aggressively exclusionary. It's, it's so insular and it's, and it's this, and and I'm sure I talk about toxic masculinity a lot, but to me, this is like the height of like, like masculine for like fragility of if anybody comes near our boys who is not <laughs> like a beard wearing gun toting man's man like the fucking brawny paper towel boy <laughs> then our my kid is going to wear a tutu like i like what's just, gonna happen what is like worst case scenario cuz like don't get me wrong like, i don't know if they're more worried that like this kid's maybe gonna question his faith or that he might one day play with a doll and that would ruin everything. So Mikey and I have been rewatching Friends, which I get these references. Okay, all right, okay. Haven't we can we have something in common for the first time in our Congratulations. lives? Congratulations. <laughs> um, and I, it's another thing. Like I love that show. There's a lot of things about it that are deeply problematic. And one of the ones like I how was, they don't have any friends who aren't like 
just like them. Oh my god, all of the white people have been on that <laughs> show, and we're getting late in this series when like it was clear they were making a push, so everybody's like new boyfriend, <laughs> or everybody's boss is black because I think that's the only other race they know. Yeah. <laughs> um, Brown but, people don't exist in New York. Yeah, no, bro, everybody knows that. Um, but a the gay panic is so fucking oh, real. Yeah. On that, like, anytime anybody does, like, shows an emotion or (laughs) knows something about anything that's, like, traditionally feminine, it's, like, gay panic for days. But the one I was thinking about was when it's early on when um, Russ's son Ben likes a Barbie doll and he loses his (laughs) fucking mind. And that is the A plot of that episode of Friends is... And granted, I think Ross is is sort of made to look like a kind of crazy He's goon. not the role model you're looking at. Like, mm-hmm. oh, he's freaking out. Yeah. You're not saying that's the right reaction. But it's still such, like, <laughs> this genuine horror of, like... This is the big conflict of the And episode. honestly, like, to yeah. me, that's what all this shit is. To me, this is all the equivalent of, like, my kid is holding a Barbie doll. <laughs> what am I gonna do? Like, how is he ever gonna grow chest hair? <laughs> Trail Life USA. It's the friends of... I don't know, bigotry. Toulouse. <laughs> Why couldn't they do something that was like an acronym that spelled something? Trail yeah. Be- Toulouse. They could have been Tulsa. You should go run the organization. Yeah. Nobody asks me, haven't? Sorry. I'll, I'll send them a memo. Um, do you remember course. the plot of God's Not Dead? Yes. Well, what's, what, of give I us do. the rundown. What's the brief, it, quick plot? I, mean, I would love to. I'm going to take Please. my mic off the stand for oh, this boy. one. You're going to like shut down the whole recording. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I should probably not do that. <laughs> okay, it was kind of a funny goof. Everything's going to freeze in a second. <laughs> but it was only for your <laughs> for your benefit. I was going to stand up. Okay. <laughs> so God's I, Not Dead. I watched God's Not Dead uh, at American Atheist Conference in Memphis a couple years okay. ago. Um, and here's what I remember. Uh, the guy from Hercules, Kevin Sorbo, yep. played an atheist college professor. And there was... Philosophy class? Question mark. I don't remember. Oh, okay. Oh, you're not fact checking me. Oh, I can just say whatever. You I can say want. whatever you want. Cool. I, okay. Yeah. Then I definitely know it. Yeah. Um. So there's Kevin Sorbo, who's the angry atheist professor who's teaching philosophy? Question mark. And then this good, good Christian boy comes in, and Kevin Sorbo tells them that they have to write God's not dead on a piece of paper. I think. Um, and. He refuses to do it because he's a good, brave Christian boy. Um, and Kevin Sorbo, don't interrupt me. Kevin Sorbo totally not. says that he has his like assignment is to make a PowerPoint presentation. I should Sorry. really watch this movie. <laughs> You've never seen it? I have seen parts of it. Oh my God, it. I'm yeah. having so much fun right now. Kevin, uh, a PowerPoint presentation. When I tell you why I'm asking you this question, you're going to be like, why the hell am I going through all this? But no, I will say thank going. you. Thank you for letting me vamp please, please. for 14 minutes on <laughs> God's Not Dead. Yeah, go on. Um, uh, he has to do a PowerPoint presentation on how God really does exist. I, I the remember kid the, does. The kid does. And it worked. Spoil, uh-huh. Spoilers that God's Not Dead. But also, it's really important to note that A, Kevin Sorbo keeps getting or gets dumped by his girlfriend, and they frame it as that because he's an atheist, but he's just kind of a prick. And B, he's an atheist because his mom died. And that's why. Which is why everyone becomes an atheist. Well, and I think it's just like always the very stereotypical, like, you're mad at God, so you're yeah. an atheist. I'm like, that's not how it works. 
a so ton. The whole premise of that movie, it was though, also a B plot, but I don't care about it. Yeah, the whole premise of that movie is when Christians, devout Christians, yeah, go to college. <laughs> that's where they lose their faith. It's because they run into these atheist philosophy ish professors yeah. who are like indoctrinating them into the cult of whatever, not Jesus. Liberalism. Yeah. And so you got to be warned. Yeah. And look at this kid who stood up to the professor and defeated him or whatever it is. The thing With is. that PowerPoint presentation. I really can't emphasize <laughs> enough how this, how elaborate this PowerPoint presentation. I'm sorry, go ahead. Hammond. How good of a PowerPoint was that? It was better than I can do. And I'm a PowerPoint right. presentation expert, says so on my resume. <laughs> says a lot of things on your resume. <laughs> it says I'm a Ravenclaw on my resume. Oh my do you know how Ravenclaws? I do. Yes. I don't know why that's the one I catch, but I got that one. What? So uh, the Public Religion Research Institute, a polling firm as well, they actually said on 538 this week that college is not really a factor when it comes to losing your religion. Really? Yeah, and this is interesting because Ken Ham, the Answers in Genesis Creation Museum guy, suit boy. he routinely says things oh like, God, you got to make sure refrain. your kids are not going to a secular college. you got to send them to a good Christian college. And here's a list of ones that promote creationism, because anything less and than I that is... And I own all of them. <laughs> yeah. He has ties. He knows all the people. But it's like they're always freaking out about college, as if yeah. that's where religion goes to die. And according to this PRRI article that uh, the CEO uh -huh. of that place wrote. He's like, college isn't really the issue. In fact, what he said is really? his group did a poll last year. 79% of people under the age of 30 said they made their decision. And by the way, 79% of people who are not religious okay. said they came to that conclusion before the age of 18. Really? Yeah. College had nothing to do with their decision is what these people said. I mean, that's higher than any other age group, suggesting that people are leaving organized religion at a younger age. But whether they... That's really, really interesting. Yeah. But and it follows that, like, okay, you stop believing in God when you're 15 or 16, but you didn't tell your parents you weren't going to church anymore until you moved out of your house He probably thought it was college, but that's probably just when you got that's the really confidence to come out. Because I, I would have... I mean, I... I thought that held water that like, oh, you go to college and you uh, not get even challenged like, with your beliefs and, and you, you encounter new people. Yes. And I thought like, yeah, that I know sense. that, 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 that's really yeah, 80% of people say, nope, happened before college. And here's, so God's not dead would have been more accurate, not with a college philosophy professor, but like with the AP bio teacher in high school or something like that. Yeah. Oh, that's That would have been more accurate. And, and where, was this a significant sample size? Yeah, like, I mean, they a, did okay. a legit it's study like a, here. They also said that only 40% of millennials, so under 30, let's say, only 40% attend Sunday school or some other religious education program on a weekly basis. So, like, we know that it's younger people who aren't really religious yeah. because they're not even doing the things that religious people traditionally Actually, do. That They're okay. less indoctrinated from a sure. young age than ever before. Okay, well, two things. One, like, again, with internet, the internet, they're less insulated. So it's very, very difficult. To, like, there's a reason cults tend to cut off your internet access. Mm -hmm. um, but is, and forgive my ignorance on this, is I thought Sunday school was a Catholic-specific thing. Is it not? Um, so they have their CCD classes and they have their, I mean, a lot of churches have their Sunday school variations. Or Sunday school just, like, kid church. Like when the adults are in church, the kids. Yeah, they do have versions of it for okay. older kids too. But yeah, you're right. It's for kids for the most part. But 
even some of the other things that younger people traditionally do, maybe uh-huh. they go to a church service that's designed for young people. Yeah. They're not even doing that as much. Interesting. Yeah. So, again, that's kind of interesting. That's good news because that is what I, I mean, that's kind of what I suspected. Sure. Because all the trends show the younger you are, the less religious you are. It makes sense that that's not going to magically start at college. It would happen at a younger age. Yeah. But also, like you said, the internet is one thing. It's being exposed to more people who are of a different religion or no religion, Mm -hmm. which is happening at a younger age. It's the same, again, I'm sorry to make this parallel, but I think it's accurate. It's kind of like the LGBTQ thing where most young kids, whether they're, they know in elementary school, maybe they talk about it around middle school or something, but like... Most kids know somebody who's gay or bi or trans yeah. at that age. Yeah, and I Especially think, if you go to public school and you're sure. not living in a bubble. Well, and I think there's an, an interesting discussion to be had regarding, like, I don't know, um, the difference between... Like, it's really hard to insulate somebody... Okay, sorry, I really had a hard time collecting my thoughts there. So I feel like there's a lot of religions that don't just teach love Jesus, do these things, be good things. But there seems to me, as an outsider, a lot of places, and just as somebody who's had mostly Catholic people say this to me, of like, if you don't believe in this, you're going to hell. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think if you don't have the internet, have a pretty sheltered life and I don't mean sheltered is kind of like a derogatory thing but just you're, it's a homogenous you're area you're only hanging around your own right. kind yep um, it's easy to say people who are others people who are not like us are going to hell or sinners etc cetera, etc cetera. I think it's much and it's easy to say that in the abstract right like it's easy to say like anybody who doesn't do this is going to hell or whatever because it's somebody I'm not really encountering or I saw somebody on the news who was an atheist and he murdered somebody or whatever. I think it's it has to be harder to reconcile, oh, my friend at school or my friend's mom or whatever, they either are an atheist or don't go to my church mm-hmm. or or are in my religion. It's much harder to be like, this person whom I like or love and interact with on a day-to-day basis. Oh, that person's going... I have to imagine that that's a really hard, um, hard he- thing to reckon, right? I heard an atheist once tell me that one of the most awkward things he had seen, and he did this on purpose, was like asking a crowd of people, look at the person next to you, presumably your friend, because you're sitting here voluntarily, uh, asking someone who said he was a Christian. Uh-huh. He's like... I think his friend, he said, was Jewish or something. He's like, so wait, do you think your friend is going to hell? And the guy was like, yes. <gasps> and the other person was like, "That it's Dude. such a weird thing yes. because you don't really say it openly. But the point is, people interact with people who are not like them. Yeah. You run into them. You are going to have those awkward discussions and, with people from ex- a young age. And you're going to figure out either, wow, I feel really bad about saying my awesome Muslim friend is going to burn in hell for all eternity, you're going to feel really weird about that. That's a hard thing to stick with. But the point is, for the study, it's happening. It's happening at a younger age. It's not like it's just going to start in college where that's the first time you come across a vocal atheist. Yeah, So interesting. Keep that in mind. Do you remember, like, so I, in my memory of, like, how I got to the angry feminist atheist I am today... Um, 
there's like definitely some like stopover points of like, oh, I remember these very specific moments in my journey. Do you have those as well? I'm curious if it's just my, because I didn't, and you know, the difference, you grew up religious. Yeah. And I didn't. I mean, I could tell you there are definite points, like memorable points when I gave up my religion. Uh Uh-huh. Since then, I, I don't know that there have been a lot of defining moments. There, I've definitely changed in how I think about a lot of issues, uh-huh. feminism being one of them. Sure. I just was ignorant about oh. a lot of it. And now I feel like if I look back at things I wrote a year ago, two, five years ago, ten uh, years ago, yes. which is now there, it's all on the website archives. Uh, like I your, see them. When was your book published? Uh, like 07 is okay, when so. the Sold My Soul on eBay came out. And I started blogging around then too, which means I'm writing a lot of stuff in 2007 about issues I'm talking about now and i look back at those articles and headlines i'm like what the hell was i writing yeah. like and i think there's strength to evolution I yeah think no absolutely i'm like wow that makes me cringe now because oh i would God. never I... talk about these issues this way or or say these things or use the vocabulary i did mm-hmm. i'm not i don't want to draw more attention to them because they're embarrassing to me yeah but, but, but like, i think i mean i think but i don't know that there was like a single point okay. it's just like yeah i, I evolved on these issues yeah. but it's it not uh, landmark well, points along the yeah, way. Yeah, no, so, because I have this, like, moment that I will remember forever and ever and ever. Um, I, my family and I used to go to uh, northern Wisconsin. Yeah. A place called Boulder Junction. It's near, it's, like, almost to the UP. Um, and it's one of those, like, you. Go, everybody goes there from a Thursday to a Thursday. And it's a bunch of cabins, and everybody eats their meal. It's very... Cute. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a really, it was a really fun place to go every every year. Um, and there's, it's where I learned how to fish, and, like, anyway... So every because you're there for like a set amount of time, there was this element, uh, you know, when you're like eight or nine and you like make a best friend immediately. Oh yeah. And so I would every year I'd have like my new best friend. Yeah. And I remember this so vividly. We were in the lake. It was my friend that year. I don't remember her name. I remember she had long brown hair, and we were kind of, you know, when the lake isn't that shallow or isn't that deep, so you're just sitting on the ground and it's up to your shoulders. <laughs> yeah. We were sitting and talking, and somehow religion came up, and I couldn't have been more than maybe eight. Yeah. And I kind of had this thing of like, well, I'm not religious, but I like I was I I've always thought a lot of my own intellect. And at this time (laughs) I was like super into it. I was like, no, but I believe that if you're a good person and there's a heaven, you're going. Sure. And she was Catholic and she looked me dead in the fucking eyes and said, no, you're going to hell. Nice. Thanks, and new best friend. Yeah. And that was my moment. My other moment was <laughs> I had a shot. I had band-aid over my arm where I'd gotten a shot, yeah. which I just got my flu shot the other day. I was very brave nice. about it. Um, it was when I went to get my foot x-rayed because I fell down the fucking stairs and thought I broke my foot. Uh-huh. Stone cold sober. No big deal. Um, <laughs> and this one was like, it's on my band-aid. She goes, oh, did you? It's an, an adult. And yeah. I was six. Oh, did you get a shot? And I was like, yeah, I got my whatever. And she goes, oh, we don't believe in shots. <laughs> and I didn't know what that meant, right, obviously. Right. And I remember telling my dad, <laughs> and he said, with this like, deri- like, fuck off in his voice. Oh, because they believe God is going to heal him. <laughs> and I swear to fucking God, there's no way I could have been religious. Just the, like, just dripping with like, Oh, he hated those motherfuckers. <laughs> like, I kind of am impressed by the... Uh, I'm surprised that the reaction wasn't... Uh, that's an option? You don't get... I think that's why I said to my dad, like, they don't get shots. <laughs> right. I have to get these motherfucking shots. They hurt. 
And I just remember that. That's and I feel like those two experiences probably shaped me so deeply wow. of like, oh, yeah, no, fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why I'm such a dick. Maybe. Maybe. I like that, though. Those are good stories. Thank you. I got one last one for you, which is, uh, it's really brief, because I don't want to actually say the story, but I'm going to, I saw. A, that's perfect yeah, for a I podcast, know. then. I saw a documentary. It's about 12 minutes long. It's 12 minutes. Not joking. It's on the New York Times website. We will have a link to it in the show notes. I will just tell you this. It is a woman who is 92 years old. Uh She is an atheist because she says that in the film. She survived the Holocaust. And she's telling a story about surviving the Holocaust. And all I remember seeing, I saw multiple sites and people I follow on Twitter saying, oh, my goodness, you have to watch this. I'm like... All right, fine. Do you do the same thing I do if too many people tell me I have to watch a thing? I'm like, no, I'm going to watch it. If, if one person does it, I'm like, mm, I'll give you one more story about that in a second. <laughs> okay. But yeah, if all these people from different circles yeah. that I follow are like, you have to watch it. All right, fine. So I watched it. And like, as someone who has no emotions, <laughs> it was, oh my goodness, it was so powerful. Is it going to ruin me? It will ruin you. It's so good. So it is called, I have a message for you. If you want to Google it, but we will have a link to it in the show notes. I'm telling you, just block out 13 minutes or so, watch this thing, okay. and just appreciate it because it's really good. Um, and the other story I was going to say with that is, uh, if there's a good article online or something, I will I will hear about it. And I kept hearing you have to read Dirty John. I'm like, that sounds oh, weird. The podcast. There's a podcast called Dirty John, it. and it's, it's a six-part article in the LA Times. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was, was sitting really around, like, good. I think I was waiting around somewhere, and I'm like, all right, I have some time to kill. I will finally read this article that everyone thinks is the greatest thing ever. Mm. And like 30 minutes later, I'm done with article six. I'm like, whoa. Yeah, that was really I, good. I listened to the podcast. It's uh, <laughs> it's excellent. It, it's where even, in, I, I presume. Interesting story. But it, um, it interviews all of the people involved yeah. in it, including like his. But essentially, Dirty John is about a con man and and the people he cons exactly, <laughs> including his family, including, right. including women he marries and their families yeah. and the effect and the sort of and the it's amazing how effect. wide that net was cast. Oh my really God. good story, really good podcast. From what I hear, I haven't heard the podcast yet, but uh, yeah, listen um, to it. But yeah, uh, no, the anyway. end. The ending, though, holy shit. Yeah, yeah it, it was it's good. very good. It's like a six-part, I think it's a six-part podcast, too. Yeah. I think I knocked All it out All free. Go, go Google it. You'll find it's it. It's just under Dirty John, I believe. So we'll be back next week. Thanks Wait, for listening. Wait, no, we have to do our happy thing. We have a happy thing? Yeah, remember? Oh, I said we're going to start doing our happy thing. Okay, I'll do my happy thing Please, first. Please, I'll think of something okay, happy. you guys, I swear to God, heaven has happy emotions. <laughs> also, I really need to... I know heaven jokes about him not having emotions, but when I text him after his son was born... I don't even remember what happened. I said, what's his name? And he said, I'm told his name is... Oh, I just said your son's name. Is that okay? I'll edit it out. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Anyway, um, so my happy thing is... It's going to be... I'm going to make it an annoyingly long-winded story, so you have time to think. Okay. But I'm going to truncate it a little bit. So when I was in in high school, I had my last... Like second semester senior year was a pop lit class. Are you gonna cut that whole thing out or just no. cut Beba's name? Yeah. Okay. Um, I had this pop lit class, um, and it's just one of those like everybody. It's our last English credit, and I had it. I had it with my best friend Leah, who is she? It's she and her wife is the wedding I officiated uh, a couple years ago, last year. Anyway, so it's one of those things that like 
everybody picks a book by collective and we all like vote on books. And, and so it's 2004, right? So the internet is a thing, but it's not what it is now. And so everybody has to go to the computer lab because that was what we had and uh, pick some books that they think are interesting. Long story short, our class accidentally picked a very trashy romance novel <laughs> unbeknownst to everybody except for me because I held court and I was like don't get me wrong I will read the fuck out of this book I need y'all to know that it is a romance novel and everyone's like no it's not it's about vampires I'm like it's called Night Pleasures guys I don't know what you <laughs> want from me nice um so we read it <laughs> like you know when when you're in high school you remember high school sure it's like read the first four chapters and we're gonna talk about it then and when, after like that first segment, everybody was like, "I finished it last night because <laughs> we're idiots." And anyway, so uh, so my best friend Leah was in that class, and I randomly got a text from her wife of just the cover of it because I'm sorry, they mail they like shipped the box of books to my high school, and my teacher opens it up and pulls out this royal blue book with like really like imagine a romance novel like the font this scrolly font yeah. and in the middle there's like a necklace with like a cameo kind of thing and it's just a man's torso just a naked man's <laughs> torso and he pulled that out and I was like y'all I don't know I thought I told you <laughs> so anyway um, um Leah's wife Amanda texted me a picture of that because it's just a thing that we've thought has been funny for 15 years that's awesome <laughs> and so we decided and they just moved to Portland and so we recently decided I was like let's reread it and so because I still own it, because I don't throw books out. I'll show it to you later. Okay. And so we're like, yeah, no, fuck yeah, we're going to read this dumb book. And we had like a Skype book club together. <laughs> and so we did that, and it was one of my favorite things that's happened in a long time, and we're doing our next one tomorrow night, and I'm super stoked. Amanda picked the book. It's called Scene of the Climb, which is the worst title of anything I've ever heard. And I'm about halfway through, and I kind of hate this book, but I love highlighting the things to talk to them about. It's like a, a cozy mystery, and it's like about a young journalist who's terrible about everything because his author hates millennials. Anyway, so tomorrow night, I'm going to sit on my couch and with my laptop in front of me and a glass of wine, and Lou and Amanda, who I are people it. I don't get to see anymore, which fucking sucks, <laughs> and we're just going to like yell about this book, and that's like keeping me going this garbage week. That's awesome. What's your happy thing? Uh, the only thing I can think of that... I, I just talked for 25 minutes. I know. Um, here, I'll tell you what I was thinking with only because it's on my mind right now, which is the Kickstarter thing. Oh, yeah. So about a, it's a weird thing because I don't know what to set the Kickstarter goal to. God, that's going to be impossible. So we made an arbitrary number. We said 10000 That should cover all the shipping costs. That'll pay people for all the work they're going to do, mm-hmm. editing, formatting, publishing it. <laughs> Um, I could pay the writer <laughs> for writing the oh, book. Oh, nice. You know, nice things like that. As a writer, thank you. Uh-huh. And so we we picked an arbitrary number of $10,000. We figured that will cover everything we need. Um, and and hopefully it'll uh, cover anything emergency, that any sure. emergencies that happen. And we can make sure this is a quality product that people aren't going to be ashamed to have in yeah. their hands. Okay. So about because it's going to be a physical book. It's not just it an is going to be a physical book and an ebook. Yeah, but physical, so we don't want it to look crappy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so about a week to spare. You know, as, as it's going, as soon as I announced it for the first time, there was a flurry of activity, mm-hmm. and then it just kind of dies off. And it's like, okay, well, there's a few things we could do. We had a, a few podcasts that a Camille, the writer, 
was on. Uh, we did a few of those types of things. There was a nice excerpt published in and the Advocate. And this is one of those things, if you don't hit the goal, you get zero money. We get zero Oof. if we're like a dollar short. And so anyway, about a week to spare, I'm like doing the math in my head. I'm like, okay, every day we need this much don't this much donations uh-huh. to be on pace. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, how much, if I had to kick in a certain amount, yeah, like, <laughs> like how much would I have to kick in to go over the top? And I'm just like, there was a couple of days when it was virtually no donations. Uh, and I'm like, I don't, I've run, I feel like I've run out of my big options. Sure. And I've submitted it to some places where I think it would help. And then sometimes it works. Well, you've advertised on this podcast. Most time, so I know. Sometimes I don't it know doesn't work. what else you could do. So it's like, okay. I don't know. Like, at this point, the number of how much I need per day is getting crazier and crazier. And I'm like, shit, I overshot the mark with the amount. Um, That's got to be a terrible feeling. Yeah, and plus I'm like, I remember before we launched, we're like, well, if we need stretch goals, here's some stuff we could do. I'm like, oh, man, don't even need those. We thought about stretch goals. Jesus. What were we doing? But anyway, in the past week... Uh, inspired by nothing because I we didn't do anything differently. Mm-hmm. We we advertised it the way we always do and posted it on social media and stuff. But people started donating in the last few days, not because we said anything necessarily, just because maybe because time was running out, so mm-hmm. we finally decided to wait till the last second. But it got to the point where oh, they we hit the goal with like four days to spare, That's and great. people kept giving in the last four days, which is awesome. So I have to say, I'm just so appreciative. Partly because this was such a risky thing to do because we had options of do we go with a actual publisher, publisher yeah. which I've done before. Camille has not. Mm-hmm. But, like, I know the pros and cons of that one versus <sighs> yeah. let's do it ourselves because it's more entertaining and we learn the process. Uh-huh. And if I want to write something in the future, I have the method down. That's the upside to doing it by ourselves. Right. But if it doesn't work, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but it worked, so Good. I'm very excited. And that makes me think, okay, you know what? After we're done with this book and it's out and everyone has it, uh-huh. um, we could try it again with yeah. another project. With a book I write. With a book you write, which oh. I don't know what that's going to be yet, I but don't know either. you guys, tell me. Guys, tweet me at Blueberry <laughs> and tell me what book I should write. So yeah, I just want to say, I'm so, I think it ended up with like 350 people giving something. Oh, wow which is awesome. And for the topic, like, cause it is, it's about LGBT rights and atheism. Those are not it's like, it's very niche. It's very niche. Not so it's niche, like, but it's dwindling your, it's not, let's how to declutter your house. Like I get it. Yeah. But I so it's just very, threw away half my closet. I'm very well aware of Marie Kondo. <laughs> yep. And do you know so, that one? <laughs> I, I do know that one. Cause I wrote a proposal for a book last year and the exact words <laughs> I got is you should check out this proposal, which is based entirely on what Marie Kondo wrote. And we sold this book. So look at that and model your proposal after this one. So here's me writing about like <laughs> math. And it's like, I'm looking at like a sample chapter on how to declutter your bedroom. And I'm trying to write a chapter about like math. I love you. I've uh-huh. been your house many times. Don't write a book about decluttering. <laughs> That's not the book I would read by you. Apparently, neither would anybody read a book about math. I tried to explain the concept. If you ever read it, it's just about, like, hold all of your possessions in your hand, and, like, if it brings you joy, keep it. And my my husband was saying he needed to get rid of T-shirts, and I was trying to explain it to him. But it brings me such joy. (laughs) Yeah. And he was 
so annoyed. He's like, can I just decide what I don't want? I'm like, no, you have to hold it. <laughs> and also another thing I'm really proud of is I gave him the perfect amount of wine tonight. I always I'm give done. him a little bit too much. And then we finish the recording and he chugs the rest <laughs> of it in a way that makes me feel really anxious. Because <laughs> it's like you being very polite. Anyway, sorry. This is probably really long. but No, I, it's all good. Uh, hey, you could find us. I'm at at Hemant Met on Twitter. I'm at Blueberry, B-L-U-E-B-U-R-I-E. Uh, my Etsy shop is Bitches Get Stitched Done. Holidays are coming. I'm Oh, I'm doing mm-hmm. some shit right now that involves dogs and pumpkins. I'm probably going <laughs> to... It's fucking cute, Hemant. Don't laugh you. at me. Uh, I'm probably going to do some with like dogs and stockings. If anybody has like a non-religious idea... Maybe a dog in like a star with a star hat. Uh, I'll just think about it. Um, so order your Christmas presents now is what yeah, you're saying. Yeah, and also a lot of times when people from this podcast order, they send me a nice message that always involves talking about my swearing. So thank <laughs> you guys. It's very meaningful yes. to me. Um, we'll Patreon.com. Patreon.com slash friendly of these podcasts. We're going to watch Star Wars. Sure we are. <sighs> Maybe someday. Someday. Okay. Thank you guys. Have a good week. Bye.